0: Climb into the cockpit with Pilot and Square's Chief Legal Officer, Tim Perilla, as he invites legal leaders aboard to share advice that will help you navigate
1: even the most turbulent times of in-house counsel work. We'll cover a range of topics from data privacy to legal team structure to public company transactions and beyond. You don't want to miss this series. Fasten your seatbelt and prepare for takeoff. You're listening to Cockpit Counsel.
0: All right, welcome everybody to the third episode of Cockpit Council. I'm Tim Prilla, I'm the Chief Legal Officer here at Link Squares. Uh, also avid pilot and excited to host a series where uh, each week, I'm sure it'll evolve over time, but talk talk with uh, with GCS and other professionals that are really leading their field to talk about uh, really anything that we want to talk about. So uh, without further ado here, today I have Danielle Shear. Uh, she's the General Counsel of Bottomline Technologies when I think about, you know, a public company general counsel. Think of that really exemplify what that means to do it well. And Danielle is uh, by far at the at the tip top of that list. Danielle, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for that really generous introduction too.
0: <laughs> it's 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 deserved.
1: Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Great.
0: Okay. Well. Um, for for everybody uh, everybody listening, please feel free to submit questions along the way. We'll keep an eye on that and try to uh, try to take and, and field your questions as well. But uh, but Danielle, I think it'd be really helpful. Uh, just give us a little bit of your background. Um, you know, tell us about your current role and uh, maybe some of your previous experience.
1: Sure. So um, I started at a law school at a firm in Manhattan, and I. Um, you know, it was just a corporate associate doing M&A and SEC work. I thought it was such a tremendous experience. Um, I also thought New York City was the center of the universe, and I think it can be for a lot of people, but it certainly was not for me. Um, I always had a love affair with Boston after uh, the socks had broken their curse. My brother was in BU, and I, I don't know why, but something propelled me to want to live in Boston, and I found a startup, had 50 employees at the time in Carbonite. And um, come hell or high water, they wanted to take the company public, and they knew they were going to need to hire an attorney. Um, The co-founders of the company, this had been their sixth company they had founded together, and they had never had an attorney on staff, and they were having a really tough time hiring somebody. Um, For those of us that have been the first attorney in a company, you can all understand how hard that is for folks and how scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was probably like employee 51 or 52 or something like that. And that was in 2009 In 2011, we, we went public and it did come hell or high water. Um, the day that we went public, there were like 15 companies lined up to go out. All the banker's screens turned red. The market was crashing and two companies got out. It was us and I think a Canadian company. Um, and, uh, it was, it was an, it was an unbelievable experience and then we ran the company as a public company for the better part of a decade. And um, during that time, we did a CEO transition, a CFO transition. Um, we defended against a hostile takeover, uh, patent trolls galore, and um, activist shareholders. We turned into an M&A machine. And at the end of it, the company ended up selling to OpenText in late 2019. And now there's a smattering of Carbonite, we called ourselves Carbonistas, probably now all over the globe. Uh, former Carbonistas, and they were just some of the most talented people I've ever worked with, uh, and I'm really proud of what so many people have gone on to do next. Um, so that was an exceptional experience, you know, startup to public company to sale. Um, yeah. I moved over to Bottomline. It's um, B2B payments, uh, very different worlds. Um, our customers are banks and large enterprises. I've been here for two years, and um, I think fintech is really exciting. I think it's in a, it's changing every day. I think the consumer fintech industry is forcing change in the B two B industry, although it's slower to adopt in B two B. And um, you know, I think uh, I've learned I've, I've learned a lot about the GC role. I've learned a lot about me personally, um, and. Um, I'm just, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to be on a journey like this.
0: That's awesome. So I want to go back to something that, that you had mentioned, um, some of the executive turnover, that's, that's an incredibly interesting dynamic, um, to, to have experienced at, that, at that stage as a career and and particularly looking at, because right through the IPO, you're, you're founder driven, right? Yeah. And then, then you have what I assume would be a couple of the founders moving out. Is that right?
1: Yeah, the whole founder team, in fact.
0: What, what was that like being sort of uh, that just from from every like sense of comfort and knowing who you're working with to like political workings and things like that? That must have been at play. Like, that must have made your head spin. I, I can't even imagine. Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, um, it was really it was it it was very tough for the company. It was also very necessary and totally time. Um, to a, a lot of people's credit, uh, one we found the right guy, um, Muhammad Ali. Um, no, rep, no, uh, you know, relation to the boxer. <laughs> um, but he was the former strategy officer of Hewlett Packard and just a brilliant, um, a brilliant, you know, strategy leader. Um, He came, so him and the board um, um, partnered on uh, making sure that this transition was going to be a really well-received transition. Um, The um, founder of our board, the CEO founder of our board was on the, I'm sorry, the CEO and founder of the company was on the board and he was staying on the board during the transition. They worked very closely together, which was fantastic. Both myself and the CFO were part of interviewing the CEOs which I have to say makes a huge difference when you're bringing somebody in from the outside, if there are trusted people, executives in the organization who can say, listen, we've met him, we're excited about him, You know, we introduced him to the organization in, in um, really thoughtful ways um, in connection with our CMO. But I'll tell you, even though we took, I think, all of the right steps to execute the founder transition, it was still very difficult because the company changed. New leaders bring new ways of managing. Um, Mohammed had cut his teeth at IBM in Corp Dev. I think it's probably was one of the um, best corporate development teams that, I mean, in history. And he brought a lot of those people to Carbonite and turns Carbonite into um, an M&A machine. And he's amazing at it, but a very different culture than what Carbonite was before he got there. And um you know some people went on that journey with him and some people really wanted the startup life. Um, to Muhammad's credit and the folks that he brought in um, he he has worked in both environments so he completely got it and everybody um, you know was really well cared for if they decided to tap out and they wanted to be more part of a startup and the people who wanted to stay with it, um, Muhammad was willing to, Teach people um, what he expected of them. Me being one of them. Um, I remember early on I had a conversation with him, and I, I, you know, I was I was quite intimidated. I mean, I did not cut my teeth at IBM, um, and I didn't go through the IBM finishing school. Um, and um, but you know, he he just wants strong players on his team. I still think that's the leader he is, and somebody hungry to win. Um, so ultimately I think the team ended up, um, really well-rounded and, um, it was a mix of people who knew the company when, and a mix of people who knew how to take it to the next level. And, um, it was a truly just exceptional experience, but we thought about people every step of the way. We thought about how they would receive the news, how they would, how their jobs would change. We communicated with them through that, you know, change period. And I think that's necessary to motivate um, your team members through any sort of change, but also through, I think, what all of us are living through right now, which is the market is just insane with with options for talent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's interesting. I know you and I have spoken a lot about sort of being the first the first in-house attorney at a company. Uh, but that's a completely different dynamic of like, OK, now I'm at this company and I've, I've gotten used to working with with a management team, being a part of a management team. And now that management team is changing, what like what were some of the struggles that 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 you dealt with at that time? Like I can I can just imagine, you know, it's uh, it's everything from communication style to, to expectations and, and and the view of the role right? The view of the, the GC role.
1: Such a great question. Um, I talked to so many people about what can oftentimes feel like a revolving door of leaders at companies. And I think that's very much happening right now, um, you know, with, with everybody's jobs. So I think about this in three ways. Um, one is tactically, two, um, sort of more strategically, and three, personally. So tactically, I saw every position at carbonite changeover between like two and 15 times. I'm pretty sure I had like 15 heads of sales <laughs> in 10 years. It's just <clears insane. throat> and so tactically, new leaders come with new relationships and new people and new contracts. And I can't tell you how many times somebody said to me, I, I want all of this stuff, I want to terminate it, I'm bringing in my own team, external, internal. And everybody has a right to do that, right? Because they understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and you need to surround those leaders with the right team to make them successful but that can be a real headache for a legal team especially if that door just revolves every 2 years so tactically right. i wanted to make sure from a contracts perspective we could get out of vendor contracts and other sort of external advisors so that we weren't saddling new leaders with old leaders teams i yeah. learned that you know a couple years in um, and I, you know I, I i i still think you know That's probably the right thing to do um so that's tactically just sort of how do i how do i unwind one person's world and help a new person spin up their new their new world um strategically the general counsel is only as successful as their relationships are in the organization we don't have a right to tell people to move faster or to not deliver that product or to not sign that contract i mean we certainly can say things like that, but I don't think that's what makes an influential general counsel. I think if you're doing the job right, people come to you and solicit your advice because you help them be stronger and you help them succeed and you help them win. In order to do that, you have to work on the relationship and that relationship needs to be one of trust. And that's not something that you can build in a month. I think it takes a good year to start building the foundation of a relationship with trust with these key leaders. When there is a when there is turnover, you know, it's 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 you know, it's you have to keep building those relationships. And you need to have, I think, a strategy for how you're going to um, be successful there. Because if you don't do it, you'll be left out of conversations and you will not be a successful general counsel. All of a sudden, you know, you won't know what's going on with the head of engineering or the head of products because you haven't worked on your relationship with them. So they're not soliciting your feedback. So you're kind of out of the loop. Well, I think it's a fundamental part of the job. It's just unfortunate, right? If there's turnover, you got to kind of step up to do it. My last part is personally, personally, that's hard. That's like yep. a drain. I mean, building relationships is, um, it takes a pound of flesh, but I think that's a huge, I think that's a majority part of the general counsel job is building relationships of trust.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one thing that I've, that I've really focused on throughout my career has been doing, doing my best to, to try to, to try to be proactive in the way that I, that I, that I build and scale legal function. And, And that's not just the legal work. It's exactly what you're talking about, which is probably the most critical thing, just getting out in front of of those relationships and making it a point to you know you don't have to be everybody's best friend i'll be perfectly honest with you i've worked with people that i can't stand and they can't stand me but we knew that we were a really good team and like we were happy in the results you know and and thankfully there are fewer people like that than than people where we got along famously but but that's it it's you know it's figuring out okay Let's let's invest in this relationship, whatever this relationship may be. You know, if, and if there's some sort of personal uh, personal connection that that forms in connection with being a great business team, which there usually is, um, you know, that that just makes it a little bit happier and a little bit easier. But, uh, you know, so much of so much of this role is people. And, yeah. and as you say, relationships is just absolutely critical to to be able to manage that. And, yeah, and uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna say, I completely agree with you. I also think it's important, um, It's hard. I don't think that CEOs and CFOs sometimes always uh, um, appreciate that the value that a general counsel can bring. We are the only people without a number on our back or without a product to deliver or without a marketing campaign that needs to show results. And lawyers are trained to be simplifiers. So I think the GC has such a unique vantage point where they can look across the spectrum and across the team and take in, you know, what the goal is. If you're plugged in because you've built these relationships of trust, what the motions are and what how the pieces are moving and then sort of sit back and kind of, you know, act as a great simplifier. And I think when the role is done really, really well, you're able to connect with the CEO and say, you know, here are some things that I'm noticing, we might want to focus on this. Or the CFO, like, here are some things that are going down sort of more in the weeds in the sales organization, but I think they might end up showing up in the numbers. But you, you know, no other person on the team, I think, has the best vantage point for that because everybody else is sort of myopic. You know, they have to be myopic. Even the CFO, which is myopically in the numbers.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and a well-functioning legal team has relationships and maybe not specifically the general counsel, but your, your legal team should have relationships with literally every single point in the organization. And, and if your legal team is coordinating well and operating well, there's, there's this moment where, where everybody's sitting down and saying, Hey, what's, you know, tell me what's going on in acquisition marketing. Tell me what's going on in, in, The people function today tell me what's going on in engineering hey how's that patent harvesting program that we have going like tell me what's happening and and then you're able to recognize where there may be some intersections that could either you know delay some productivity it comes as a surprise to certain parts of the organization and you're able to proactively work across those functions to be able to say hey so-and-so over in, you know, over in product, product and engineering is doing this. By the way, I know that you're promoting this thing in this way and that this is a major part of like the next however long campaign you have. You two should absolutely sync up.
1: Absolutely. And
0: not that's even a legal exactly issue. It. It, it's yeah, just
1: that's exactly a- right. And, and I once heard um, a GC say it to me like this. Legal teams are the central nervous system of a company. You may not feel everything immediately, but it will eventually feed through the central nervous system. All of that data that we're taking in, all that cross-functional data, all that activity, because we're not like down here, but we're sort of up here and we see all of it moving, that's an incredible source of information to help the team be stronger, to help the company achieve its goals. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think it's, Incumbent on the general counsel to figure out how to teach a company how to get the value out of a general counsel and a legal team in that way. You know, I don't think people see it this way. I, I, well, I think the pendulum is swinging. I think they're seeing it more and more. But I said it to my current CEO in a way that he really understood, which is um, let me look at it through my lens. When I go to hire outside counsel, and I've worked with a lot of different outside councils before. Um, and I, I have made a lot of mistakes in, in my choices in outside counsel teams, both for myself and for the outside counsel and for the company. So I've learned a lot. Um, I, the best outside counsels I've worked for make me look like a hero. Yep. And what I love about that is my, the people in my company, the best relationships that I have are when I make them look like a hero. That's I don't right. need to be seen. I don't need to take credit for the wins that they take if I'm part of it, or even if I called the play, my job is to help them win and to help them be successful. Like the outside counsel's job is to help me win and be successful. And so, you know, I, I sort of think it all pays itself forward. And anyway, he really got that analogy really well. Um,
0: I think it I works. That's, that's huge. And that's, I mean, that, that's, that's plain and simple. That's just a, a core leadership characteristic right there. Like you you like the reason, a major reason why you're successful. Sure is there's hard work, there's intellectual capability, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but it's exactly that mentality. The wins around me, our team wins no matter what part I played in in this, and I'm ultimately accountable for every decision that I make. And yeah. and if if you if you really live and die by that and you you eventually end up leading by that.
1: Exactly
0: anyway, right. You eventually your, end up exactly the leader you want to be. That's right. That's right. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about like how, you know, I, I'm starting to see, um, you know, and maybe it's just because of sort of the space that I'm in and, and usually talking to founders, usually first-time founders. Um, the, the way that, CEOs and founders are looking at the GC role seems to be changing. I think right? so. And I think a lot of it comes comes from, um, you know, some outside, maybe some negative experiences from outside attorneys because maybe those outside attorneys, like the outside attorneys, if you're not thinking that way, where I want to make, you know, the GC look good. If there's no GC, it's, I want to make the CEO look good.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: thinking like that, there's there's a very high probability that the CEO who you know usually doesn't have as good of a perspective as a GC would as to the role of outside counsel. Uh, you know, it's 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 very likely that you're going to see that 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 sense of like, well, these people aren't really worth it. I need something different from a lawyer than what I get from these
1: lawyers. Well, and also, all all, all lawyers aren't created equal. What I mean by that is, you know, the I think the 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 view that most people have of lawyers is of transactional lawyers. They're brought in to run a litigation, they're brought in to buy a company or sell a company, they're brought in brought in to take a company public. That's not a general counsel. That's not what a general counsel does at all. Um I, you know, we have a, a, a mutual friend, Andy Dale at Alice, and he very much thinks that the general counsel role is to be consigliere. And I completely agree with him. Um you know, you have to be you have to have um a lot of conversations with the CEO and the CFO and the rest of the team, Um, people have to generally want to solicit your advice on a matter. You know, if you don't figure that out as a general counsel, then you're sitting and waiting for somebody to issue spot a legal issue to bring to you. Like then you become the general counsel of contracts, which is I have to sign a contract, Tim, can you help? And that's not what a general counsel does. Um,
0: Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think about it um, in terms of uh, the difference between an in-house attorney and and your your external attorneys. Yes, that, that conciliary sort of feel, but also there there has to be a recognition that you're a business person with a legal background. Exactly. Right. If you're if you're if you're coming into a company because you want to be a company lawyer, then the general counsel role might not be the right one for you you might want to be head of transactions or head of litigation within yeah. a legal function where like yeah go and be a lawyer like and and you can and i know people who are in those roles and who have been in general counsel roles and are saying there's no way i want to be a general counsel ever again I absolutely want to go back and find my head of litigation. I want to manage cases. I want to do internal discovery. I want to have a great time with that. And they're really good at it and really successful. It's not for everybody because a lot of, a lot of times lawyers are uncomfortable actually making calls. Right. And that, that aspect of of just like presenting like, Oh, well, here's the legal risk you decide is a really good way to get yourself replaced as a general counsel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, so many of the folks that that we talk to who are up and coming in, in the GC role, um, they want to know, you know, how do I get to sit down in that room with the CEO? And she say to me, OK, I want to get this public company, uh, this company public. I wanna, I want to get this company public in two years. How do we do it? And she's not asking you a transactional question. She's asking. She's telling you this is my goal for this company and, you know, help that. That's the role of the general counsel. All right, exactly. let's talk it through. Do you, are we ready? Do we have the right team? Do we have the right tools? Do we know, you know, you know, and, and then like, what do we do next? Cause that's not an ending. That's, that's, that's barely a beginning, you know? So. <laughs> yeah,
0: ex- exactly. I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, when like the business and financial uh, aspects of, of, of any sort of public company transaction, or, I mean, or private, like as soon as those things are laid out, the paperwork's not that complicated. Like yeah. lawyering, lawyering the thing is really not that challenging. It's,
1: right.
0: everything, it's everything else that. that so is, how
1: do you become like that general counsel? Cause I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening who are like, okay, well this all sounds great, Danielle and Tim, but like, you know, I'm a one woman band. I'm a one man band, you know, and I'm the one negotiating the contracts, and I'm the one, you know, issue spotting. And uh, I was there. Um, I think you were there, Tim, right? Uh,
0: I I was there at DraftKings. I'm there at Link Squares right now. I don't. I don't have any attorneys. Thankfully, I have one starting in a couple of weeks. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm review, I, I reviewed NDAs for the first time in like eight years uh, back in March when I first started.
1: <laughs> right. Well, one, you just roll up your sleeves and do what has to get done. But if you don't have a plan to build it to scale it, you will be stuck there. Nobody's going to hand it to you. You've got to build it. I had a CFO I worked with uh, the last CFO at Bottom Line who uh, just took a company public, by the way. Very very smart man. And when I started, he said, what's your chessboard look like? And he's exactly right. Wh- who are your players going to be? What do you need to be successful? How do you shore up your weaknesses? And, you know, nobody, no other executive on the team is going to sit down with you and have that conversation. If you want to scale and you want to brand yourself as a certain type of general counsel, um, it's up to you. And so I spent a lot of time talking to other GCs about this when I was younger in my career. You know, I I sort of went out and made friends with three or four general counsels and I wanted to find out what their job was like and what their day was like and how they scaled in their role. And I started to see the progression and how long it would take. And it's not easy to ask for budget and it's not easy to hire people. It's not easy to fire people when you've made mistakes. Um, But that's all part of scaling in the role.
0: Absolutely. And that's, I and mean, that's that's a great question. I, I, I definitely had to you know, I had to learn very much in a trial by fire. This is now my third company where I've been the first in-house attorney and you learn different things in each, you know, in each role and in each company. Every company is different. It, you know, I mean, my my best advice would be, um, you know, to, to somebody who's somebody who's who's maybe first time GC or how do you become that business person? I think it goes back to what you said, at, you know, earlier on in the conversation. It really is relationships. I can't tell you, like, one of my biggest mentors, who's who's done more for my career than anybody else, has been uh, uh, an account. Who's a CFO, and and it was, it was, hey, Tim, I'm sure you have whatever hard skills you need to do a legal thing, but th- that's not going to make you successful. Mm-hmm. like in and of itself if like you want to be successful because your legal skills are great go to a firm right that's
1: so, right that's a great answer
0: and and so I said well listen I you know I my undergrad was in finance I said well I have a finance background so I'm not like completely illiterate when it comes to the business environment I worked in corporate gigs before you know before going to law school like during college and like working full time, going to school at night, and stuff like that. Um, and so I had some, you know, some semblance of like understanding of what it meant to operate in a corporate environment. Um, but but I really just leveraged that relationship and the relationship of some of the other professionals. Um, you know, another guy who's who a head of marketing at my first job, um, really, really helped me to understand the importance of, uh, of the business terms of a deal for contracts that I was reviewing. Um, you know, it, it was it was really building those relationships and saying, how can I be better? And and it wasn't how can I be a better lawyer? It's how can I use my legal skills to help you move your objectives forward in a more smooth way or in a faster way?
1: And not just legal skills, your analytical skills, your ability to, um, you know, like I said, take complicated sets of data and distill it down to its simplest parts and help make a decision. What you know, one of the organic things that comes from the relationship building that you're talking about is, you know, you've got a, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight executives around a table sitting with the CEO. CEO ultimately makes the decisions. But, you know, you're all talking and debating and challenging and you're trying to come up with a strategy that's going to be a winning strategy for everybody. Right. And you know the GC um, is a player in that room. So the more relationships you build, the m- I think the likelier that you're building a team that's strong. So I'll just give you an example. Um, I was very close with um, my chief marketing officer at Carbonite, and um, you know he had um, he had an idea that he wanted to execute on but it was going to cost a lot of money and it was going to be a lot of risk. And so he bent my ear on it. And then he bent, you know, the sales leaders here and then the engineering. Leader. So by the time we get to the table and the table where we debate it and, you know, we make a recommendation and, you know, you've got maybe two people who are like, look, I wouldn't do it. It's too much of a risk. And you've got six or five people who are just like, no, it's go hard. It's go hard. It's go hard. And the CEO sort of makes a decision. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? It's about, and, and that's where you want to be. Those are the conversations you want to be in. You don't want to be the person in the room saying, well, we're going to have to figure out how we like negotiate the contract for blah, 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 blah. Like that's not, that's not what you're there for.
0: It's not helpful. <laughs> it's you just, will
1: Right. Somebody on your team will do that. Or if you're the only person there, you'll do it. But that's, that's not why, you know, the general counsel is the general counsel.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So Listen, Danielle. I know we're I know we're running up on time, and I know that you and I, because we have before, could talk about all of this stuff for hours in so many different ways. Um, but we we do have a couple of questions. Um, tips for uh, tips for running a remote legal function. Um, you know how how has it, and and it's your your typical COVID question, right? Now moving moving to remote. Uh, what have you done? What what's been Successful? was Has there been a silver bullet for you, or has it just been uh, a relatively smooth transition?
1: Yeah, such a great question. Um, so, uh, without sounding creepy, I touch people more. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I. It's super, <creepy>. um, <laughs> super creepy, right? Yeah. No, but I have one on ones with everybody on the legal team, whether they report directly to me or not, once a month. I wouldn't have done that otherwise. Um, I have weekly team meetings, and the team meetings, are partly transactional, but partly just personal. Um, I want to get to know people. We do stupid icebreaker games, and you know, um, get to know each other in that way. And then we we and, and it's not top down. Like everybody takes a, a turn and has to come up with something that we're going to do during that team meeting. Um, I am, I'm very transparent with the team about what's going on in the company, Um, you know, to to a certain, not everything, because, you know, there's a lot of confidential information, but I try to make them understand often how they're part of the greater machinery. Um, And I think that goes a long way. And then the last thing, uh, the last two things that I think I started to do was um, we do a quarterly team event. Um, some of them haven't been able to be in person, but we're starting to do them in person and everybody on the team gets a quarter and they get to choose it. So like, whether we go to a Red Sox game or whether we're just doing a, you know, like a barbecue at somebody's house, um, you know, and we fly everybody in because I've got people who are all over the country now, um, and we get together. So that's something that we all look forward to. And then I am more thoughtful or more mindful about protecting the team. Um, the legal team gets a bad rap in companies by and large until it gets changed. And we all know links is changing that dialogue. Um, but, but like, it does have a bit of a bad rap, like it's stuck in legal. Um, and Hey, I need this contract and it's urgent and I need it in 24 hours, you know, two days after the end of the last quarter. Um, so I try to do things to protect the team and make sure they know that I value them. So, for example, we instituted sort of this new policy. Nobody can take vacation the last two weeks of the quarter, like like vacation. Like if something happens, you go, but vacation. Sure. But the first week after the quarter, I'm not going to make you take vacation days either. You check in. You know, if you want to be off the grid, you got to take vacation days. But check in. But, like, you can take a beat take a beat from how fast and hard we all ran to make it to the end of the quarter. And if anybody dares in my sales team, try to come after those legal folks. I mean, they have to get through like a mama bear because our people deserve a chance to rest, you know, and to recover. Um, So I do things like that to make sure that um, we're all part of a team that understand, you know, how hard they're working. I value it very much. I care about who they are as people. Um, and um, I have to say, I also find it way easier to performance manage remote than I do in person because FaceTime is just not relevant. I can't bank FaceTime and make, turn it into quarterly cash. Um, so you either deliver or you don't, and that stands on its own. And if you're falling behind in some way, it's kind of a lot easier to see. And then I'm able to get out ahead of it and coach. And I truly believe that somebody who's falling off the beaten path um, either is in the wrong role, in which case let's see if we can get them in the right role, or they just need some coaching. And I'd like to get there before it's too late. So I've I found that our remote life has has worked really well. Um, I'm closer to the team. Yeah. Um, I, I am looking forward to like actually seeing people again, though. To be perfectly fair, <laughs> no,
0: but- I mean that, that's absolutely incredible. Like after hearing you talk about that, I'm just kind of like, all right. So like after whatever my career looks like here at Link Square, is like can I come work for you? Is that right?
1: <laughs> you you just want to see if we can get tickets to like game 4 for the Red Sox? <laughs> I cannot.
0: <laughs> hey, that would have been that would have been a better question. I, I probably could have helped you out with that Am my uh
1: Through. <laughs>
0: um so so Last question here. Um, do you have a pre-flight ritual? Pre-flight. Like, yeah, like you're going, you know, you're going to wherever for for business. Do you have a ritual? <laughs>
1: um, um <laughs> I don't think I do. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, if I'm, um, most of my business trips are relationship building, right? right. Um, and so. I love to travel and I look forward to it. Cause I know it's now about like breaking bread with people. Um, I make sure that like the itinerary has lots of opportunity to get to know each other. And I guess if there was a ritual and this is like, you know, oh my God, I'm just probably going to go down and like terrible, but like I have a glass of wine on the plane.
0: Yeah. I'm like,
1: I'm excited. I'm relaxed. I can't wait to spend some time with people. I don't usually get to spend time with and get to meet some new people. And like, I have a glass of wine. <laughs>
0: I'll I'll be honest with you. My my pre-flight ritual, at least when someone else is driving the bus, uh, is is the same thing. Um, You know, maybe not always a glass of wine, but I like to get to the airport a little bit early, have a drink, relax and uh, just kind of gather my thoughts before uh, before sitting down in the chair for a few hours. So
1: it's uh, a business trip together.
0: I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. You pick the location. We'll get it done. So
1: awesome. This is so great. Thank you.
0: This was awesome, Danielle. Thanks so much for uh, for joining, and um, everybody who who tuned in. Thanks so much. Really, uh, really happy to uh, to have you. Hope you f- hope you found this helpful, and uh, and we'll be back in a few weeks with the next iteration. Thanks again, Danielle.
1: Yeah.